Hi, this is the Pack Out where we share important stories about life. Some of the biggest opportunities for growth come during the hardest situations. I just want to give you a little warning that this story discusses violence and is a little heavier than the others. Please take care of yourself. In today's episode, we hear about how some brave folks made it through one of the most dangerous times in one of the most dangerous cities in the world. The streets of Ciudad Juarez, Mexico were empty. The parks that would normally be full of families, grilling meat for tacos and kicking around soccer balls were quiet. Businesses were shuttered up, abandoned. Families were locked in their homes, scared for their lives. It wasn't 2020 and the threat to the streets had nothing to do with a pandemic. It was 2010 and it wasn't a virus killing citizens. It was gang members. The city was in the middle of a drug war. In the mid-90s, people from all over Mexico flooded into the city to work in the maquiladoras. These are businesses that collect parts from all over the world and put them together to be sold as one product in the U.S. Selling something as a whole instead of parts cuts way down on taxes, and Juarez, just across the border from El Paso, Texas, became a hub for these huge factories. As the jobs opened up, the economy of the city boomed. People from all over the country came hoping for a new opportunity. Enriqueta Dominguez and her husband Guillermo were two of them. And when they got to Juarez, they found everything they were looking for. And when we arrived in the city, we were surprised by how open the people were, by their good hearts, and also that the kids could play in the streets until midnight during the summer. We could sleep with our doors open, which was something we said, wow, what is this? And we fell in love. We fell in love with this beautiful desert. And truly, in Ciudad Juarez, we found a paradise in our lives. The Dominguez's were religious and quickly found a strong church community. We were like a big family. If your kids were sick, well, you go to them. If you had a problem, they were the ones you'd talk to, like it was your mom or your sister. Soon, the couple welcomed a son into their family, and life was full of the day-to-day work of living. The church they attend relies on local members to take leadership roles, and eventually Guillermo was asked to lead their congregation. The leader of the group is called the bishop. As bishop, he watched over his little flock. They met weekly to study scriptures, which, in their church, meant the Bible and Book of Mormon. Lots of people have seen the iconic Blue Book. Fewer have read it, but to the children of the church, the stories in the Book of Mormon are just as familiar as those of Noah and the Ark and Moses parting the sea. Many of the stories in the Book of Mormon are about war. It's not that surprising. Sacred writings across the world's faith traditions are full of wars and miracles. 
To me, the miracles make sense. Of course people wrote down the miracles, so they remember. And actually, I guess it's kind of the same thing with wars. People tell those stories so they never forget. As bishop, Guillermo worked closely with the other church leaders in the area. They were organized into a group of 11 congregations from the east part of the city. This is how he got to know the president of the group, Jorge Alderez Franco. The two became close friends as they worked to build up their community. But trouble was brewing in the city, and Franco could sense it coming. My beautiful Juarez was going to be tested in a way that none of us will ever ever forget. In 2007, the Great Recession hit the U.S., which had an immediate and profound effect on Juarez. By 2008, 90,000 people in the city had lost their jobs. A location on the border, it turned out, wasn't just the perfect place for trading goods. It was the center of a robust drug corridor. Trafficking narcotics wasn't a new business. It was already thriving and run by cartels based in other cities. As soon as the economic crisis hit and people were out of work, a small cartel in the city was the first on the scene, recruiting. As the local gang grew in numbers, it became strong enough to make an attempt to take over the territory. They were relentless. But the outside interests were not giving up their ground without a fight. And just like that, Ciudad Juarez became a war zone. And we all lived very well until the year 2008, when really awful, violent things started happening in the city. The situation changed drastically for everyone. The mood was completely changed for the worse. At first, all of us in Juarez, we thought, it's a bad moment, it will pass. But instead, it was growing and growing. We saw horrible things, murders, robbings, kidnappings. And it was happening to people that we knew, people who were close to us. But we were surprised because suddenly they started attacking preschools where the kids went to class. We couldn't pick up our kids from school because of a murder, and then we couldn't get back home because there had been a murder. And that was the news every single day. How many people had died, how many attacks had happened. And it was hard. It was the kind of situation that is so difficult that I never would have imagined it could happen in my own life. I had heard of violent situations or sometimes read about them in books or magazines or seen on the news about other parts of the world. But you never think when you see those things that they could be things that you would end up living and feeling yourself. Sometimes in the early hours of the morning, we heard gunshots, and our little son was scared. We'd say, don't move until it's time to wake up. They're just fireworks. People are celebrating the Virgin of Guadalupe. It's fireworks for the party, so don't be afraid. But we were afraid. 
We were always afraid to get up in the morning and find out just how close the gunshots actually were. After some time, within our community, some of the members had been kidnapped. Some families had lost family members, either through murder or through other incidents that happened in the city. And all of us asked, what are we going to do? How will this end for our children? How can they grow up here? My husband told me the worst thing that had happened so far. One of the congregations had been targeted by a criminal organization. They had given the bishop a ransom to pay. If it wasn't paid, they would start hurting members of the church. And they had gone to the bishop's own house looking for him. It was hard to even hear about that we were in such a dangerous situation. It was the most difficult moment in Juarez, and we had a quarterly conference planned. I, as a human being, asked, what can I say to them? What comfort can I give them? And... I didn't know. Still today, I close my eyes and remember the desperation I felt. What words can I give them? What can I say to the sister who can't even take her child to school without being terrified? In the end, he did what he always did when he wasn't sure what to do. He went to the scriptures and followed the pattern of stories that he'd been taught as a child. At the meeting that afternoon, he asked for one thing. At six this evening, I need all the men here at the church and every woman at six this evening I need with their children at home. Why? Because we are going to open the heavens and ask a blessing for Ciudad Juarez. And that's what they did. Members came together in prayer. The men went to the chapel to pray for protection of the church, and the women and children stayed in their houses to pray for protection over their own homes. Imagine it, a room full of men there, kneeling in the room, and the mothers were kneeling with their children, begging that the powers of heaven come down. Imagine it. We left there, and I arrived home hugged my wife, and together we had a prayer with our son, and we knew that we were going to be okay from that moment on. And we were. The attacks kept happening, but we had a new perspective of life. But after that beautiful experience that we had, there was no more fear. We became invisible. The same events were happening, but we were invisible. Bullets could pass close to us and we were not harmed. Between 2008 and 2012, 10,000 people lost their lives in Juarez to violence. For those four years, it was considered the most dangerous city in the world. 
The fight for power raged. People killed each other to prove their strength. But for these peaceful souls caught in the crossfire, the miracle was that they weren't seen at all. And just like the wars that are written on the pages of the Book of Mormon, we lived our own war here. But just like was written in the past, we also wrote a story of faith. The situation didn't change in Juarez. But do you know what happened? That not one, not one member of my stake was touched. Juarez began to claw its way back to peace through a variety of policing and community measures, which is another miracle on its own. Its strength truly is in its people. And only a few years later, the streets were again filled with vendors selling corn, ice cream, and cotton candy. Mariachi music played all night long, and the parks went back to smelling like carne asada. But violence is making its way back into daily life. And last year, for the first time since 2012, it had the second highest murder rate in the world. Then add the coronavirus to the troubles. The pandemic has hit the city hard. Hundreds of people have died and many more are out of work. With the border being closed, most of the drugs that were meant for sale in the U.S. flooded the local community instead. Businesses have closed and the economy is failing. These factors mirror the ones that created the perfect storm for gang violence in the past. There are more than a few in the city right now that wouldn't mind being invisible. None of the people who lived through those days of violence will forget what it was like. And this time, they will be the ones fighting to keep the peace in the city that they love. But if the future is destined to include war, it will just as surely include miracles. And maybe this time what Wattis has in store is fewer gunshots and more fireworks. This is Marcy Rigby reminding you that the best way to preserve a story is to share it. Special thanks for this episode go to Jorge Franco Alderez, Guillermo Dominguez Arce, and Enriqueta Roa. Editing support from Curtis Cummings, Casey Cummings, Lori Higgins, and Kathy MacArthur. Theme song written by Chris Wetton and performed by the band Aggregate. No, this life is a it's a whisper.